The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Attention true crime fans, check out 22 Hours, an American Nightmare on Podcast One. It was a case nightmares are made of. A family is held hostage for nearly 24 hours and murdered inside their own home. WTOP examines the complicated trail of evidence that police say led to finding their killer and why they say he committed such a brutal crime. Download new episodes of 22 Hours, an American Nightmare on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car from True Car. That's right, in the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Hey guys, do you miss when sports networks cover just the news and highlights without the yelling and fake debates? I know I do. That's why I watch CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built for fans like you and me. I love that I can get tons of highlights, analysis, and instant game reactions Everything that matters about the game without diving into political and social issues like on other sports networks. And if you enjoy placing some bets or competing against your friends in a fantasy league, their experts are always dishing out their top picks and advice to help me win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson. A beautiful Monday morning. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How about you, Steve? Doing great. Are you not, you know, a little bit upset that you didn't get the Jets GM job? No. No. No? We're on to Houston. Huh? We're on to Houston. Much like, much like the Bengals defensive coordinator job was a good experience. Uh-huh. All right, we learn our lessons and we, and we just move on. And um, it, was, it was really nice of Neil this weekend. I woke up to a text at uh, four in the morning right when he woke up on of course. Uh, Saturday, yeah. and said, when one, op- when one door closes, another one opens, or something to that effect. And it took me about an hour to figure out what he was talking about and my groggy state. And then I was like, oh, he's talking about the GM job. Yeah. The fact that the Jets filled their job and the Texans 
job opened up uh, as Brian Gain was was fired uh, by the Houston Texans. Have you at least got a deck for this one? Well, yeah, you just got to convert some greens to some navies. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, did you even get that far with your Jets oh, yeah, yeah. campaign? Was, you actually had a deck? There. It's in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah, like all those bullet points I used yeah. last week, they're all... You put them in a deck? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. They're good. It's there. I, you know, we're on to Houston, though, it's what is, is the uh, important part. We're I think, on I mean, to Houston. Houston's probably a better gig for you to go for, right? I mean, they've got Deshaun Watson, who is better than Sam Darnold at the moment. Mm-hmm. They've got, there's a lot of pieces there. You got J.J. Watt. We're going to build around J.J. Yeah. Maybe convert him to tight end full-time. Ooh. Maybe. Mm. We'll just see. Receiving Wait, over have pass. they still got the tight end whose name you can't say? No, he retired. Oh, he retired? Okay. Okay. You're good then. Yeah, there you go. Well done. You said it right. Yeah. Don't call me out. Look, growth mentality. I just continue to get better over here. So, um, Texans job's open. I'm open to having it. Um, <laughs> let that be... That could be I your slogan. A, I might need a new slogan. Yeah. So with the Jets, it was we're going to get better. The Texans could be. I'm open to taking your job. <laughs> it's kind of like the old NFL yearbook videos that had like the each one had like a corny tagline. You know, the Jaguars would go like three and thirteen, and it's like we're getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Like my Jets one. So See, my Texans one needs to be ready. Like we're on the cusp, on the brink. Your Texans one could be how hard could it be to find an offensive lineman? That might be it. That actually might be how it. hard could it be? How hard? There could you it go. Be? Palazzola for GM, hashtag how hard could it be? You're in the AFC South, how hard could it be? (laughs) That's it. That applies to almost every situation. That's why you're You're my social media South. How hard could it be? We need offensive line, how hard could it be? Now, so that deck would work for three other teams. Once Jacksonville, Tennessee opens up, Indianapolis. Yeah. Though uh, Ballard's doing a great job in Indy. That that will be for a a while. Um, I like that. Hashtag hashtag how hard could it be? Palazzola for GM. That's great. Quick, get Mike, Mike changing the T-shirt. Mike, new shirt. Let's get that going uh, quick before this Texans job. Yeah, they uh, look like they're filling it pretty quickly. So the, the Palazzola for GM shirt. So uh-huh. it either, the value must go way up as it's now, you know, like a... Obsolete. Well, yeah. It's like a, it's like a retro. It's like a throwback jersey now. <laughs> or Joe Douglas like, gets fired in two years and we just, you know... A throwback to last him. week? Yeah. I don't think that's the way throwbacks work. I think you're usually throwing further back than a week ago. Well, the further you go in time, the more it's a throwback. Hmm. That's my thought. All right, so Joe Douglas gets the job. Yeah. Right? Um, formerly of the Eagles. Now you want to discuss Eagles and uh, Carson Wentz? Yeah, okay. What do you got? I'm on to Houston, but we have to discuss other things. Carson Wentz signs a massive contract, um, which was more of an extension uh, for year five and beyond. And I think when you look at the numbers and break it down, it doesn't do much for year four, which is what we're coming up to right now. But it kind of buys him out um, of his free agent years. Right. And I think this is the strategy that um, does kind of make sense from a re-signing quarterback standpoint. Buy him out of the time that he can be free, so to speak, and get him a couple years earlier. And, you know, maybe eventually the contract looks pretty good as the salary cap goes up. Yeah, and it's important because you don't lose the year of cheap, right? Because the most valuable thing in football right now is a good quarterback on a rookie contract. Right. So you don't want to get rid of that by throwing him a boatload of money that counts this year. You just tack on the money to the years where he's not under contract. So that part makes sense. Um, The other thing that I really like about this deal as a sort of incidental 
you know, kick in the pants to a divisional rival is this now puts Dallas in a pretty horrible spot with the Dak Prescott gig because Big money. you know the way like house prices work along the basis of comps, you know, comparable properties near yours that yeah. con- essentially control What are the houses the around the block right. looking like? The Eagles just put up the value of the, the closest comp to Dak Prescott. Not that Carson Wentz and, and Dak Prescott are that comparable as quarterbacks, but in terms of young quarterback signing a, a, a second contract off his rookie deal, Wentz is now the comp, which means that contract is now the comp. So any hope Dallas had of potentially being able to get a Dak Prescott deal done on the cheap or you know slightly less than market value just went out the window with the Wentz deal. Uh, what about Jared Goff's contract situation as well? Yeah, I mean, but that was always going to be high. There's no... You know, there, there was very little leverage in terms of getting him at a below market rate, I think, at any, at any point in this thing. Yeah. Aside from anything else, you know, first round quarterback, first uh, couple of picks, that's different to the Dak Prescott thing, right? A Where little bit, got- but but I, honestly, if you look at Goff, Wentz, and Dak and their performance over the course of the first three years, they're all the same ballpark. They're all right. very similar. Um, I do, and, and I think, so I think those three guys are a really good example of QB evaluation and QB progression, so to speak. Again, I think so many people think that we're playing Madden here. And you draft a quarterback, and he's a 72, and then he becomes a 76, and then he becomes a 78, and then he's an 80. And it's like, oh, when we get him in his prime, he'll continue to get better. If you tracked the progress of Goff, Wentz, and Dak, after year one, Dak was the best. Yes. And then Wentz, and then Goff way down here. Year two, Wentz was the best. And then... Goff probably and then Dak so Dak went from first to third in year two right. but that's another reason why Goff's deal was always going to be bigger because he's heading in the right direction Dak he's not heading in the wrong direction he headed is, in the wrong direction this is what I'm one. this is what I'm saying I don't think that there's I don't think evaluation is directional I don't think it's oh it's I think not, that absolutely sways how teams are going to react to a guy if you flipped Dak's career he would get way more money than he does right now I, what I'm saying is I think that's the wrong way to look at it. If I could finish the previous thought, though, year three, Goff was the best quarterback out of the three. So they, the three quarterbacks have all had a year where they were the best quarterback. Mm-hmm. Wentz um, was probably second last year, and Dak was third. So Dak's had two years as probably the third best quarterback using PFF grades and just raw traditional statistics. My point in all of this is there's certain dependency, right? Goff got so much better. McVay came in systems better there's some dependency on his output Wentz has been in an an excellent system um, with a really nice supporting cast and I think Dak has slowly seen his weapons dwindle a little bit so my point is I don't think that they've changed dramatically as players I think the guy that's changed the most is Goff because he looked you know clueless as a rookie and then became you know and then improved to be pretty good beyond that but his system went from one of the worst in the NFL to one of the best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So my point is, in any given year, any of these guys could play as the best quarterback. So I think ultimately, uh, they're in the same range as far as that, you know, I, I don't think any of them are a top 10 quarterback at the moment right now. Uh, but they're probably they're in that 11 to 20 range. And I think that's going to vary in any given year. And then the guys in the 11 to 20 range can creep into the top 10 in any given year based off of other circumstances yeah i think of the three though wentz is the one you'd be confident in being a top 10 quarterback i'm not sure the other two 
have that in them consistently. So I would I would agree there. And this was you know you and I debated it back at the time, and I said Jared Goff, and you said Carson Wentz. I wasn't um, I thought it was close between the two, but I thought that with the style. Uh, was important. I always thought that Wentz really, really had those high-end season in, seasons in him. He can make those special throws. He's had a weird two years now because I don't think he was as good as his MVP season would indicate statistically. He had that extremely high touchdown rate. He made some really nice throws, but his 2017 I don't think was great. And then I don't think last year he was as bad as maybe the um, points or win loss, you know, he wasn't as bad as the perception was, but he also wasn't as good as his stats either. So it was kind of this weird uh, dynamic with Wentz last year. Um, so I thought he took a bit of a step back last year, but his last two seasons have been kind of close. Well, what was interesting about his MVP caliber season is that he was really good at the stuff that's completely unsustainable. So yeah. his his numbers and his his play on you know third downs was off the charts his play on third and long was completely unbelievable his touchdown rate like all the stuff that tight window throws is another one all the stuff that is stupidly a hard to do but b almost impossible to replicate was just off the charts good so it was completely inevitable he was going to come back down to earth to some degree because you just it's impossible to sustain the things that he was good at for that period of time but it was really impressive to see because you just don't see players spike in those areas all at the same time and that can essentially create an mvp candidacy right off the bat you you're incredible on on money downs you're incredible on the hardest plays to make um the the most valuable plays to make it's it's it was phenomenal to watch but the fact that you it was there's no way you could sustain that so this idea that oh we've got you know the best quarterback in the league now was always going to, you know, the shine was going to come off that to a huge degree. It's a, it's a weird dynamic when we look at it analytically because when players, when QBs make great plays under pressure or they're consistently good on third, you know, third and long and all that stuff, you're set, you want to give them credit for that and they deserve credit for it. Again, you just can't bank on it, you know, the next year. And that's essentially what happened last year with Wentz. He made probably as many good throws, just didn't do it at the same opportune times. Right. Well, it's so not they didn't throw as many 12. So. Right. So it, was, so it was less impressive. Um, the other thing that must be mentioned with Carson Wentz now, he hasn't finished a season. He has, um, you know, he missed two games early last year and then missed the end of the season. Uh, hasn't played in a playoff game. It's been the Nick Foles show every time they get to the playoffs. He didn't finish his last season at North Dakota State. Or he did finish. He played just the championship game, but he had, you know, he missed a bunch of games in the middle. So we're talking about uh, multiple years now of him being injury prone. And so is that is that an issue going forward? It's the whole injury thing is endlessly fascinating to me, right? It's Kyla Murray's 5'10", 200, so you've got to be concerned about his durability. Cam Newton is like 6'6", 260, looked like a defensive end, and is constantly broken. Carson Wentz, 6'5", 237, Cam Newton light, reminded me a lot of Cam Newton coming out, yep. and he's the guy that's been broken constantly. Jared Goff is what, 6'2", 215, something like that. And yeah. I was like, ooh, is that frame, is, that, is he too skinny to hold up at the next level? And he's been Goff fine. has been fine, right. and Wentz is the guy that's constantly broken. Like this, people need, I think, to get away from the idea that simple size of human being affects the durability of 
you know, the body pieces involved because apparently it doesn't. I think also, even if it does, even if a guy in isolation, 6'5", 240 versus 6'2", 210 is more likely to hold up, the, the, the differences in the hits those guys expose themselves to are far more important than the whatever the percentage difference is in terms of yeah. the body parts being able to hold up when, under those hits. I've always said playing style is more important than right. frame. So a guy like Cam Newton may actually be stronger and more durable in isolation, but the guy exposes himself to running back hits because of that size. So he gets injured more than you know Russell Wilson, who tries not to take any hit he doesn't have to. Yeah, Russell Wilson does a really good job of avoiding hits. I mean, I think if you look at just mobile quarterbacks, Russell Wilson has been fantastic at that. I thought Colin Kaepernick was really good at avoiding hits. And then you have guys like RG3 and Michael Vick who were not good at that. They didn't know how to slide. They didn't know how to take, you know, they took too many hits. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, is teetering on that from a style standpoint. But he has been durable. He, I mean, he, you know, handled his whole career at Louisville. He handled his rookie season at ball, in Baltimore. I mean, Roethlisberger is another example of a guy who's huge, strong, you know, built like granite, but takes a lot, a lot of hits Big Ben gets hurt. Cam, Cam Newton gets stuck at the top of the pocket, takes a ton of hits. Andrew Luck took a ton of hits early in his career. Obviously, he's battled his shoulder issues. Like you said, Big Ben and Cam are similar. As There's, there's always like a point in the season that they miss a game or two or they're playing through injury. That's, that's like an annual thing with Big Ben and right. Cam, and they are the prototype of big, durable quarterbacks. Joe Flacco is another you know, 6'5", 230, 240 type of guy that has had injury issues over the last couple of years. So I don't think frame and size makes you durable. I also don't know that Carson Wentz having an ACL and then having a back injury, like how much is that actually predictive of what's going to happen in 2019, 20, and 21? I don't know if there's massive right. predictability. The, the ACL wasn't a Jimmy Garoppolo ACL where he just put your knee in the ground and it buckled. His ACL was launching himself between two scything defenders trying to take him out at the goal line. So was weird. that was definitely a product of taking a hit. You can say you didn't need to. I mean, maybe you did launching your way, you know, Elway style towards the end zone. Yeah. But that was one that was like a product of taking a hit, right, that some quarterbacks wouldn't have taken. So I, I think that's different to a like the Jimmy Garoppolo one. You can say, okay, why were you cutting up field when you didn't have to? But that was no contact. The contact came after his knee. It already fell apart. Like that was a case of if there had been no defenders there and he just cut his knee was his ACL was yeah gone. Garoppolo should have just ran out of bounds right but the point is that was that wasn't a hit thing the hit didn't break the knee the knee broke then he took a hit that's different to Wentz who dove into the end zone two guys tried to take his knee out and the knee went like th- there's a difference I think between when a body breaks in and of itself and when you actually expose it to a hit which breaks the body all right two things on this Wentz uh, deal right now. We had a, a whole discussion a few weeks ago about what is the wh- where's the middle class as far as quarterbacks go, and, and you know what do the what do you pay these guys? I viewed Wentz as kind of a borderline top ten quarterback that probably deserves um, this money. You know, they did it a little bit earlier. You know, you're buying him out of his free agent years, uh, so I like it as as an overall deal. I don't know that you're you know I'm not going to list the top ten quarterbacks, but I think it's I think in any given ranking you could put nine or ten guys ahead of him i think wentz much like deshaun watson hey houston texans deshaun watson i might take a similar angle here with carson wentz will build around deshaun you know when you give me that opportunity but those guys are kind of on the you know in that next tier 
you know, quarterbacks 11 through 15, they're young, um, have shown something already, uh, and they're ready to, you know, be, to be re-upped. And, and I think they're, they're okay. I'm, I'm more likely, as much as I'm saying, hey, look, Dak, Wentz, and Goff have had times in their career where they look similar, I feel much better about re-upping Wentz than I would Dak at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. The other thing is, as much as people are going to look at the number and say, wow, $32 million a year, it's crazy, it's huge money, it's not $32 million a year now. Right. It's $32 million a year in a few years' time when the salary cap goes up year by year by year. There's another CBA on the horizon, which, which could will go up probably huge. jump right. it up a huge amount. Suddenly, that $32 million a year doesn't look bad at all. In fact, it looks like a you know, modest quarterback deal. So that part, I think, is, is really good as well. Um, by the way, jumping back to this Jets job thing, did you see that um, Todd McShay is now in the running for some position under Joe Douglas? Yeah. People are just being hired left and right from TV. Yeah, we're on TV. What is with that? Todd McShay is in the running. Daniel Jeremiah was apparently a candidate for the job before they hired Steve somebody Palazzolo. else. Although, I mean, Mike Mayock got hired from TV. It's, it's basically names. just you and Mel Kuyper. Who haven't been approached? Yeah, but has Mel even gotten? Now I'm not saying there's interview? a connection between the two of you, but the one thing that everybody would think about when it was Dan and Mel Kuyper is the hairdo, and hmm. you've had a lot of mentions on the YouTube comment section about your hairdo. Maybe it's time to you know go with a regular haircut, and then you get signed for the Texans. What are you talking job. about this is what I have. I, I, I don't think it. that's the way hair works. You're not just this is, this stuck is what with we're the rolling hairstyle. With. No, you I'm not have. compromising my hair just because you think Mel didn't get a job because of his hair. Mel, Mel just calls people around the league and asks what they think. Uh-huh. That's not evaluating. What's he doing? Here's an interesting dynamic in this whole thing. Why get draft analysts when the draft is actually just a fraction of what the GM actually does? Now, if you're in the personnel department, that's different. But the draft... You know, if you're going to go in and say, well, there's really not a big difference in draft evaluators, there's a difference in maybe draft strategists, and maybe there's a couple extra percentage points to be had here and there as far as being good at drafting, but why so much focus on draft analysts when you have to manage a salary cap? You need to bring in free agents. You have to know how all these pieces fit within a team. It's not just making draft boards, mm-hmm. and now it's all draft guys being discussed. I find that to be an interesting dynamic because the, the draft is just a piece of this you know big puzzle of, of building a team yeah i know that it's more about the draft houston all right i know it's more about the draft than, a, than just the draft and we're gonna take a holistic approach to uh building around deshaun anyway let's um i think a big part of that, that is probably this idea of where do you where do you try and what do you have to teach the guy at the next level right you're going to work on the basis there's no way we're going to be able to teach a guy salary cap from scratch so we have a guy in the building who already does that you, you know yeah that's be- fine but i'm also going to work on the basis that like i'm not going to hire a guy just because of the the seven draft picks that he's gonna make i just year I'm- because honestly how could you are you really going to be that much better than a random guy on Twitter. I'm just endlessly fascinated by this idea that suddenly TV is a, a hotbed of personnel talent. Lose like we Riddick went, we went mix, decades, John Lynch, decades where TV was just seen as why would why would those idiots ever? Those guys are on TV because they can't survive in the NFL. Like they're not a, we're not going to hire people from TV. That would be insane. 
And now you've got, in the space of a year or two, you've got Gruden, Mayock, two from TV. All right, Gruden had, you know, backstory as a coach. That was John a, Lynch. That was a decade ago. Yeah, John Lynch out of nowhere. Gruden, Mayock, now Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay are being mooted for jobs. Louis Riddick. Louis Riddick for, has been a GM candidate forever. Like, apparently there's no, there's no better place to get yourself an NFL job than being seen on TV. You know who's next? Who? Booger. Booger. Wow. Booger they should next. bring back the, the Booger Mobile just for that. Can you imagine him, like, cruising around the facility in that thing? Oh, my gosh. The Booger Mobile during training camp? That's hard knock. That's, that's hard knocks. Right you, I mean, he should, you know the way GMs come in, they like redesign the whole facility. It's like, no, the workflow's off. We're going to have to do some construction. We're going to have to redesign the building. Booger's going to have to create these like 15-foot wide hallways just so we can drive the Booger Mobile everywhere. That'd be great. I mean, I would, I would hire him contingent upon him riding the Booger Mobile right, at all times. You could never leave the Booger Mobile. Yeah. You, you have get, to be in that at all times. You will get zero exercise as GM. Because Wheels into the giant auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Anyway. All right, so Carson Wentz deal overall, you like it? Yeah. All right, we like the Carson Wentz deal. Uh, let's let's discuss some other news. Big news this week: the PFF fifty has been revealed, or at least it's Is starting being. to be. It's yeah. being revealed. Uh, what have we dropped as of recording time? At least forty-one through thirty. We down to thirty already? Uh, yeah. Top, okay, so we have the top, um, the first twenty. Yeah. have been revealed. For those that that don't know, we basically have two lists. That we do every year. We have the PFF 101, which is right after the season, looking backwards at the season. It's just a one-year snapshot. Best players in the NFL, regardless of position, besides fullbacks and kickers. And then we try to do one that's more forward-looking. It's similar to the NFL's forward-looking. They do a top 100, right? It's 100. Yeah. So they do a forward-looking top 100. Here are the top 100 players going into 2019. We make it 50, and ours is looking forward. So it's not just based off of last year. It's based off of many things. Multiple years of uh, production, age, trends, whatever it might be. It's all rolled in there. So we are doing that this week. The PFF 50 is being revealed throughout the week. Best players heading into 2019. Yeah. And the difference or one of the differences between ours and the NFL's list is our methodology is a little bit more sound. Now, when you talk to NFL players and coaches about how that list is created, let's just say the process has some problems. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Tebow was on the list that one year. Yeah. For a start, there is no actual defined process as to how it works. You know, there's no, like, here's how you do this. One vote equals whatever. No. They just send it out to teams, and then they get to decide how they do it. So some teams, they, like, vote as a unit. Like, the entire defense will cast whatever it is, 28 votes as a block. Um, Some teams, they do it the other way around. So... The offensive line will vote on the best defensive lines in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and again, they do it as a block typically. Some guys, some teams do it individually entirely. But the bottom line, so as much as... They don't as, know if they're looking back or looking forward. Right. There's no like defined criteria list. The other thing is, as much as people want to be like, hey, who knows better than NFL players because they face these guys? Sure. But they play 16 games in a season. They play divisional opponents, you know, three teams are divisional opponents, so they, that's enough, that's, you cut down the number of teams you're facing. And a lot of players are not watching tape outside of the opposition they have to face. Yeah, they don't even play half the league. Right. So they don't have any idea how a guy in the other conference that they don't have to face is playing. They just don't, they don't have that level of context. 
It's not because they're idiots or they don't know what they're watching. It's simply because they don't have a reason to watch that guy's tape during a season where they have a reason to watch a bunch of other guys' tape. They're busy. Yeah. They, um, al- they also tend to weigh quarterbacks a lot higher. Right. Um, and we always say if we were just looking at the most valuable players, it'd be quarterbacks, corners, edge rushers, receivers. It'd be all guys involved in the pass game. We try to eliminate that and say, here are the best players uh, in the entire NFL. So we don't have uh, just quarterbacks in our top 10. Yeah. Um, so you'll see some bigger names a little bit lower. So all that said, I think the first name of note that we have to discuss is Saquon Barkley sitting there at number 43. As yeah. much as we hammer the fact that uh, running backs and running back value is overrated and easily replaceable, Saquon Barkley is a very good player at the running back position. One of the best running backs in the NFL already, probably heading into year two. Um, and he'll end up essentially being the number two running back on this entire list. But again, it's because our criteria criteria is regardless of position, not based off of value, replaceable value, or anything like that. So Barkley coming in at 43 after a very good rookie season. Yeah, people, people are going to look at this and say, well, PFF's hypocritical. How can you say running backs don't matter and rank Saquon Barkley in the top 50 players? And it's because this, there's a difference between value and you know production and quality and just how good a guy is. I've always said that if there's a position that deserves to be paid, it's running backs. Those guys have a horrible job. Almost every single play is going to result in them getting hit in the kind of impacts that we're talking about with quarterbacks getting broken. You know, Cam Newton is getting consistently injured because he's taking running back kind of hits. What about the poor running backs that are taking those hits almost every single play? So if there's a position that deserves to be paid, it's running backs. It's just sadly, when you start looking at all the information, they don't deserve to be. They actually don't deserve to be. They're not the ones that are generating the production it's the offensive line it's the box count it's all those things we talked about so unfortunately for running backs it just looks like those are the guys that don't deserve to be getting paid because they they're replaceable but if you get past the value aspect and just look at how good a guy is Saquon Barkley was rightly talked about as being one of the best prospects we've seen in years he is a perfect modern day running back in that he's probably a better receiver than he is a runner um, which in a league that passes as much as the league does right now is hugely important. We saw immediately the impact he can have year one. He bro- uh, broke more tackles than any other running back, had led the league in terms of forced missed tackles, both as a re- when you combine uh, carries and receptions out of the backfield. He led the league in breakaway percentage. So all those big plays we saw at Penn State where he makes the guy miss the line and then he's gone 50 yards for a touchdown. We saw those again with the Giants. He's basically the same guy that we saw at Penn State. So he is a phenomenal running back. It's just that when you look at wins and losses to the Giants, that, that doesn't matter. You're right. And, it, it, well, not to take away from Barkley and his big playability, it is difficult to sustain those big runs. 50-plus yard runs are really difficult to sustain year over year. And he is the type of runner that relies on them because he's not as great um, at just you know finding four and finding five consistently he is a little dependent on those big plays we'll see if that production actually can be maintained there but they've you know improved the offensive line a little bit over the last couple years so Barkley um, still a very good player but you know we've always discussed the value of him versus the next guy he'll be the number two running back on the list Alvin Kamara the top running back on the list comes in at number uh, 30 where is he 36 
Um, and that probably deserves a little bit of comment because there aren't going to be too many places that I think list Alvin Kamara as the best running back in the NFL. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Zeke Elliott's going to be uh, not on the list. Uh, too many fumbles from him. And, you know, as good as he he's he's really solid all around, but Kamara and even Barkley special as receivers in the parts that do matter a little bit more. Kamara uh, has been the number two graded receiver and then the number three graded receiver his first two years in the NFL um, and then you know again the whole running back deal they're dependent on their situation so Kamara deserves um, you know he gets credited a little bit by being in the Sean Payton system that uses his skill set properly moving them all around the formation yeah here's the thing with Kamara if you take out um, overall workload then he is I think clearly the best running back in the NFL right now what everybody will look like and, or what everybody will look at and say, well, where's his, you know, where's his 20 touchdown season? Where's the 1500 yards? Where's the 2000 yards from scrimmage that Saquon Barkley had? And Kamara is not going to have those because he hasn't been an every down back for the Saints. Right. But that has become the league isn't like that that much anymore. There aren't that many every down bell cow running backs. There were a couple more last year than there have been in the past few seasons. But a couple of years ago, there was like one. So the league has gone away from this idea of every down bell cow running backs. And teams are essentially platooning the backfield with a whole bunch of guys. So the fact that Alvin Kamara hasn't been an every down back so far, and he may be this year with Mark Ingram now out of the picture, um, it shouldn't, you shouldn't take away from Kamara because he hasn't been given the opportunity to do more. But in everything, when he has been on the field, he's been absolutely ridiculous like he catches passes out of the backfield makes people miss left right and center um he has absurd numbers uh in terms of you know rate numbers whether it's yards per route run whether it's yards after the catch um all those kinds of things so if you if you look at it on a per play basis kamar has been absolutely incredible i think his um he has a season that's the highest pff war we've ever seen from a running back because of the value he brings as a passing game. So if you just strip away the kind of total, the, the, the um, workload-specific numbers, Kamara would easily be the best running back in the NFL. And then the bottom line is we're not penalizing him because somebody else makes a decision that he's not being given those carries yet. Well, so that's the biggest thing. When you look at Todd Gurley having however many touches, 17 or whatever touchdowns he had last year, we've, we've hammered this home before, but a lot of that is simply the opportunity – to carry the ball inside the five. It right. is very much opportunity-driven. Um, so it's always... it's diff- I think this is why we have to hammer it home over and over again. It's difficult to wrap your head around. Touchdowns aren't bad, but they're dependent on other things. Um, so even, even, say, the Patriots in the playoffs, they had a ton of rushing touchdowns, but there's a ton of plays where there was a, a pass that got them inside the five, right. and then they ran it. So did their running did their running game suddenly step up and become phenomenal in the playoffs, or did they simply give those guys the opportunity inside the five in the right. playoffs? Right, and there was a lot of that last year with New England. So deep pass gets you inside the five, you run it in for the touchdown. That was a consistent theme with New England. It was a consistent theme with the Rams. The passing game gets you to the five, and you know Gurley was still pretty good last year. The running game was good. But he had so many more carries inside the five, so he had a whole lot more touchdowns. So it's easy to see a big touchdown number and get really excited about it and think, this guy's great, when we look at it and say, okay, there's the, probably these other things around that situation that are, are making that happen. Um, any other notable names for you we're just going to discuss, just so you guys know? 
we're just going to discuss 31 through 50 because that's been revealed as of Monday recording time. Uh, next week, we could touch on the rest of it. Now, um, we haven't discussed this off air, but you're, you're leaving for two. Are you going on vacation? Yeah. For two weeks? Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? I, mean, I don't know what you're going to do, but that's going to be your problem. This is your department now. Yeah, but I'm going to be gone, so I'm going to care less about that. We were just talking about durability and all this stuff, and you're uh-huh. just over here. You just skip podcasts. What yeah. are you, runner? Uh, to a degree. When it suits. I think we should record on Friday before you leave. Okay, but that's going to cover you for one. What are you going to do for the second one? I don't know. Whatever you say, boss. Huh. You okay. should probably leave some instructions for me. Well, um, I might just leave you instructions to do a solo monologue. Perfect. I am in. You could do your whole... Well, assuming they haven't filled the position by then, you could do your whole Texans pitch. I could. 40 minutes of you you on Parker with the deck, walking through it slide by slide. Here's what Hashtag how hard can it be? Could you help me with the deck before I leave? Should I get Nate on? No, I'm not a deck guy. Yeah, Nate Nate could do it for you. Um, So there's a realistic chance here, very realistic chance that you're gone. You're on vacation next week, Mm -hmm. and then I'm off to Houston. Houston? Yeah. You think you're getting the job based off that? Well, yeah, that could absolutely happen between now and then. Huh. So you're on vacation. I'm gone, and Matt's going to be doing the podcast. We have no idea who's doing the podcast, and I wouldn't care either. I'd be on to Houston. <laughs> you should probably care, though, because you're just on vacation. You're going to have to come back Yeah, that mess. Well, that's all right. When I come back, I'll just I'll assume control. So, guys, be sure to yeah, hit that subscribe button because we might have a podcast next week. We might not. Oh, we'll have one. It's important. It's a case of who it is. Subscribe because you don't know who's going to be here. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a lucky dip. Let me give you a name that stands out to me. Ryan Ramchak at number 45. Okay. I was looking through his uh, your first two years compared to other tackles. One of the best starts to a career for a tackle since we started doing this in 2006. He had the number six grade among all rookie tackles that we've ever graded. And then the number seven grade among all second year tackles. So when you combine that, it's pretty good because that's not the same list of guys. Right. Not too many guys are on that list in the top you know, six or seven for multiple seasons. Uh, you know, Joe Thomas is that type of guy. I mean, he's not Joe Thomas, but man, he's off to a great start. And he only had one year of play at Wisconsin where he was good. Um, and we have seen offensive linemen generally get better the more they have experience. So like Ramchek deserves a ton of credit. And, you know, maybe a year or two from now, we're talking about him as, you know, top three consistent tackle in the NFL right now. Yeah, Bramshag has been really good. He's also been really consistent, which is not something you see a lot from tackles. Some guys, right. kind of like Jack Conklin started really well, went backwards years two and three. Bramshag has been just the same level of ridiculously good right from the get-go. I'm going to give you another name. Number 33, we have J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt at his peak is, you know, top two, right? He's yeah. led a bunch of these lists in the past. Then, of course, he... Dealt with a whole bunch of injuries. He went down. He came back, broke his knee almost immediately. Like He had a couple of years where he almost didn't play. Last season, I think kind of under the radar was how good he was. Like Because he wasn't vintage J.J. Watt, it's like, well, he's not that good anymore. But like last year, he, was, he made our PFF All-Pro team last year. So Quietly. Right. He wasn't quite as good as he used to be. And part of that is the... The sort of shine or the spotlight has been stolen by Aaron Donald, who is now unquestionably the best player in the NFL, which used to be J.J. Watt. Right. Now Aaron Donald is the guy with that spotlight. So anybody outside of that halo of light is just another guy. 
So you don't really pay attention to Fletcher Cox, who quietly had one of the most dominant seasons we've ever seen. You don't really pay attention to J.J. Watt because good as he was, he wasn't Aaron Donald good or even old J.J. Watt good. So you just don't pay attention to it. Yeah, this would be like Donald dropping to only a 90. Right. But if you look at it in isolation, J.J. Watt was really good last year. And though it wasn't as good as he's been in the past, it was basically year one back from all those injuries. So now you start looking ahead and you go, well, does that mean... Is this his ceiling going forward, or can he take another step back towards where he used to be? Because ultimately, his sort of spectrum of play is anywhere from what we saw last year to basically where Aaron Donald is. You know what? Which puts him either at 33 right now or a top two player in the next year. I'll get him back there. I'll get him back to 2012, 13, 14 levels. I will. Use him the right way. How hard could it be? How hard could it be? We're in the AFC South. We got this. Championship. Yeah, J.J. Watt coming in at number 33. So I, I'll get him back to number two. Yeah. He won't be as good as Donald, but he'll be number two. Whew. That's, I mean, if, I, if I was going to get the Texans job, That'll be a I, whole slide. I might want to have more confidence in my star player. What do you mean? Not everybody knows Aaron Donald. We're going to get him back there, and we're going to reclaim the crown from Aaron Donald. Hashtag, how hard could it be? Oh, let's just cut that. We'll redo that. Yeah. Yeah, how hard, how hard could it be? You can't, you can't Aaron op- Donald's not in the AFC South. You can't open things with, well, my guy's not as good as their guy, so what am I going to do? Bad. I mean, it doesn't matter. But anyway, my point is, he's number 33 right now, and he could get as high as, you know, two or one. Yeah, he could. So could that's, get up to number that'll one. be interesting to watch. Any other names before we wrap this whole thing up? Uh, we, got, we got a meeting. We had a hard out here. Hard out? Yeah. We never do well with hard outs. We're no. consistently late and, and then, you We're know, 17 minutes early, drag. though, so I'm just trying to oh, okay. so lay you, the you groundwork by some time. You give us a good runway. Because I could see you going on like a 17-minute rant about Deion Jones Perfect. and every game-winning that. play that he made in 2017. Yeah, like, I've go. heard this 900 times. Go ahead. Well, most people haven't. No, no, they haven't. Oh, oh here, look. Let's, let's do Brandon Graham. 41, Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, Steve, doesn't get sacks. As you know, better than anybody. Why do no. you know that? I lost a bet. Mm. Last year. I thought he had 10 sacks. You did. You thought he would have 10 sacks despite almost all evidence suggesting otherwise. So we bet on it. That and, needs to regress. And you to lost. Are, well, are we doing that again? Or are you, are you, no, I think Is this we year are. you're betting 10 I sacks think I again? Down. I okay, think so down. ultimately, but, it's interesting because generally we talk about sacks as being a terrible predictive thing, right? If you want to look at how many sacks a guy's going to get next year, you're way better off focusing on how many pressures he had this year. And that's why I made the bet. Not how many sacks, right? What you fail to understand, though, is that there are certain players. So the the general logic there is that sacks, um, there there isn't really such a thing as guys being great at finishing, right? Whether you get sacks out of your pressures or not is typically luck. There aren't really players that specialize in finishing sacks, but there are players that struggle to finish sacks. So it's not there aren't a pos- there isn't a positive end of that spectrum. There aren't guys who are consistently amazing at converting their pressures into sacks. But there are guys at the other end of the spectrum who, for whatever reason, are consistently bad at converting their pressure into sacks. Brandon Graham is in that group. For whatever reason, Brandon Graham is lousy at converting his pressure into sacks. It's only happened one year where he's been able to turn that into a double-digit sack season. But Brandon Graham is consistently spectacular at generating pressure. So, and this is one of those things that we like to hammer home because sacks are definitely important. It's what you're looking for as a pass rusher. Everybody wants to get the sacks, and we've actually done some work in quantifying how important relative to pressure sacks are. 
generally speaking, roughly, they're double as important, right? So if you get a sack, it's worth essentially two pressures. But even with that in mind, Brandon Graham is one of the most valuable edge rushers in the NFL because of the volume of pressure he generates. It is worth at least as much as the difference between him and the sort of average sack generating from that pressure. And I think the bigger point in all of this, why we we also don't focus on sacks, is the difficult part of rushing the passer is beating the blocker. Yes. Right? And then once you beat the blocker, finishing the sack actually isn't that difficult relative to winning unless you're one on one unless you're branding well he just has so many of those pressures right. where he just i mean there's also the there's spot. also this idea of you know not all sacks are created equal right did the sack come because you whooped your blocker and got to the quarterback in two seconds or did it become because there was a screw up in the protection and you ran a straight line for eight yards the quarterback didn't see you come right or someone else moved the quarterback off the spot right. and you cleaned it up so yes on all of our grading sheet, accounts for yeah, all so on the stat sheet those two things are the same in our grading they're very much they're not very different so there are times where you know, a guy has 15 sacks, but his grade isn't good because eight of them were pursuit, cleanup, you know, Vic weren't, there weren't, yeah, they weren't well-graded sacks. They weren't impressive feats. And therefore, immediately you look at that and you say, well, that's probably not happening again because right. it doesn't typically do that. So again, Gra- Brandon Graham, he's good at the stuff that's hard to do and typically generates you a, a solid grade. For whatever reason, he doesn't convert them to sacks. Steve hasn't learned that lesson yet, apparently. Next year he will. This, but he's consistently good as a pass rusher. Yes, and that's why he's so, on the top 50, even though he doesn't get many sacks. The end. Good explanation. Thank you. So I've been putting together these videos to explain our grading. You know, some, um, they should be coming out on the YouTube channel at some point. I'm trying to explain some of the things we look at. So I'm, I'm going through the pass blocking one the other day. And I was trying to show an example of a tackle giving up a sack, a hit, and a hurry that are all the same exact block. Trying to, pr- trying to show the point that you, just, you don't judge offensive tackles by sacks because they can have the same block, right. and then it's, uh, the result is different. The once result is lose, dependent on other things. Yeah, once you lose, what happens after that has right. nothing to do with you. So uh, Julian Davenport was a good guy to study because he gave up gave so up many pressures, pressures. Right. So I'm going through his playlist of pressures allowed and all that stuff, and he had some good examples, and I came to the Philadelphia game, and all I see is Brandon Graham pressure, Brandon Graham pressure. There's about nine pressures. There were no hits, no sacks. There were no examples for me to use <laughs> in that game. Now, luckily, I found, another, I found two perfect clips of Davenport giving up, uh, whiffing on a block against Yannick Ngakwe. One of them, Ngakwe sacks Deshaun Watson. Another one, Watson breaks out of the sack, and it's just a hurry but i thought you'd appreciate the story that i'm trying to look for examples yeah. of the three different types of pressure and all i got was pre- all i got was hurries yeah. from brandon graham that's yeah, all i got about 19 of them you'll get that a lot from brandon graham so brandon graham failed me again when trying to make my our, favorite uh, part was tape. was towards the end of last year when you know the bet was in place right yeah and, and that was one of those games right, what do we're, you have? We're, we're halfway through the season and brandon graham has got himself what four sacks so four sacks by week 10. So at that point, you're like counting down. All right, where's, yeah, he, getting, do where's he getting the other six from? Right. Because I need them. Right? And you're looking at the list of tackles he has to face. And you're like, well, there's a very real possibility because he's facing some pretty terrible offensive tackles. He should have had four against the Texans. Right. So we had this countdown of games where we got four pressures against Dallas. We get 11 pressures against Houston. We get six against Washington. We get another six in the wild card against Chicago. We get <laughs> just all this pressure coming. Very rarely was there a sack. So pressure is a good thing as far as getting you on the PFF 50. Not good if you're expecting sacks. He had two extra games if you include the playoffs and still only ended up with seven. Yeah, I'm aware. Mm. 
Next year's our year, Brandon. We're going to earn that lunch back. Yep. So there you go. PFF 50 is out. We're looking forward. Best players in the NFL. Uh, be sure to check it out, profootballfocus.com all week. Um, also, are we doing some sort of uh, freebie or something? What's going on? Yeah, this week there is going to be a free trial for PFF. So if you've always wanted to get in, have a look at premium stats, have a look at the fantasy offerings, the guides, the, anything we do, anything we've talked about on this show, um, and you haven't wanted to pay us money to see, you'll be able to see it this year, this week. So there's going to be a free trial that starts on, starts on Tuesday, uh, so tomorrow. Um, June and we'll 11th. Run, yeah, well done. And we'll run the full week. So it'll be Tuesday to Tuesday. You'll be able to see everything behind the scenes. You'll be able to get in, play with it, decide if it's something you actually want to spend money on or not. And then, then it'll close. That'll, That'll be, be it. it. A whole week free, though? A whole week free. We haven't really tried that before. We tried it once. So we did it last, uh, the tail end of last season. Right, okay. Uh, November, I think. It wasn't as long, though. I think it was a three-day Yeah, we've never done a straight trial. week. Right. So this is a full week of uh, free trial access to PFF. So dive in. Work productivity is going to be down across the nation because of this because you're going to get into premium stats and be like what there's 12 years of data here I'm yeah 13 years whatever of, it is a lot of data yeah there's a lot so yeah be sure to check that out pff elite uh free over at profootballfocus.com tuesday to tuesday we hope you guys will stick around beyond that we good yeah for today mm-hmm. um so podcast going forward tbd i, I might mean, just there will be one we just don't know who will be I might do the seat. whole like let's bring Ian Perks in for an interview. Wow. Just bring I'm just gonna go around the building. I would shoot in from my vacation to watch you. We and should Skype Ian you in Perks. You're going to Vegas with the family? Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with I you? I have no idea how I managed to sell that, but yeah, apparently we're Why uh, is that what you're Vegas. doing? Well, so I have a meeting in ten. I know, I know. I uh I, I was looking I booked a vacation time, right? Because of the way my job works in here, my vacation window has now become like two weeks in June. Yeah, it's basically no other time. That That's works. when the whole NFL takes right vacation. from the, exactly. So from then on, like July, August, there was a disastrous time to take. So I've had to move it forward, but I only really decided on that pretty close to the time. Booked the time off, and I was like, right, we need to go on vacation. We were originally planning on taking an RV trip somewhere, but it turns out that RVs are like the most expensive things in the world to rent. Right. So we we're going to drive to Yellowstone. But just getting there and back, or the two weeks to drive would have cost us about three grand in RV rental. Not counting gas, not counting camp fees. That was limiting you to a mileage thing that wouldn't even get you to Yellowstone from here, let alone back and anywhere around there. So instead... So we bailed on the RV idea. You're going to go to the Strip. Then we were looking for like vacation spots. It's like, oh, there aren't that many of these places last minute. Like, you know what's good for last minute? Vegas. There's always hotel rooms in Vegas. They're always looking to get rid of them. There's millions of them. Staying at the Palazzo? Uh, kind of, yeah. We're staying at the Venetian. They've got go. a... That's right. It's, it's joined in, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're both close. two in the one. It's close. Yeah. So, yeah, nothing screams, you know, family vacation like a fake gondola ride through a mall. You should go catch a minor league baseball game. Yeah? That doesn't Las seem Vegas like something I'll be doing. Triple A team. Hmm. Terrible place to watch a game. Sure. It's horrible. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to do there? You've got a five-year-old. Six. Six now. They've got, like, swimming pools and stuff. There's a bunch of kids' stuff. Take a day trip out to the Grand Canyon. Oh, that's Monument right. Valley, maybe. All right, that's good. This stuff. I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah. Yeah, real excited about and, it. And, you know, if all else fails, we'll just send her up to the high roller room with her Uno cards and, you know, watch her scam all the, the poker pros. She is advanced. Well, she's learned how to text now. That's a, that was a concerning development. It is. Yeah. You just always send me concerning developments. Well, there appears to be a lot of them now. Keep her away from the windows. 
I don't want her removing any screens or anything again. Yeah, that was, yeah. That's a little dangerous. Right. Well, I mean, you, you know, kids start learning to read. You picture them, these sort of books about teddy bears and stuff. Scout starts, learns to read, reads the instructions for how to remove the bug screen from her window so that she can wave at her friends out in the street. So we came into her room one morning and the screen was just lying on the floor. She told us she'd read the instructions, how to take it off. It's a little unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. You should probably watch her a little bit more. I mean, she, she was in bed. Like, you went to bed. We left her and came I'm not back trying and she'd be been removing parts of her window. I'm not being I got three kids. I lose track of them. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Well, yours are, you've got all this to come, right? Yours haven't reached the point where they're like meddling for themselves in advanced, you know. No, not yet. I'm just trying to keep engineer. the two-year-old from smothering the toddler right. and all that Right. That stuff. part's easy. Once you get to the point where they can like you look up their own instructions for how to screw things up, then you've got problems. Can't wait. It's going to be great. I have experience managing personalities Children. and all that stuff. It's like managing a locker room. So Houston, I can do. I manage my four kids under three, three kids under four. How many are there? Shoot. <laughs> Cut that one, too. All right. We're on to the next job. It's not going to be Houston. Hashtag how hard could it be? I'll see you next week. I'll give you guys the whole pitch for whatever GM job opens next week. <laughs> I'll figure it out. We're going to figure it out. No, that's not no, that's not your hashtag. No, that's our pa- podcast hashtag. Oh, okay. Podcast, we're going to figure it out. Houston. How hard could it be? How hard could it be? Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.